This episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast is brought to you in part by No Judges Needed BJJ Apparel and Lavender Lane CBD Products. You can use the promo code JJT for 20% off your first order at No Judges Needed and the code JJTimes20, all uppercase, last two items are numerical, for 20% off your first order of CBD products. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And today we have an incredibly special guest, truly dumbfounded as to why he's wasting his time on our nickel and dime operation right now, but I'm not going to ask any questions. Uh, Please welcome to the studio BJJ Brown Belt and ADCC head organizer, Mo Jassum. Mo what are you doing here, man? <laughs> you know, honestly, like, I just love jiu-jitsu. I can talk about jiu-jitsu every day, all day. So, um, you know, and I just trying to shed some light on this NX ADCC, which is going to be something out of this world. So I, I don't mind doing interviews. Super I mean, excited to have you on the show again. Thank you for, for, for coming on. We really appreciate having you, brother. That's like the, the equivalent of NBA commissioner David Stern hopping on to like some guy's basketball podcast. Like, <laughs> hey, do you want to talk about the Celtics? When you said yes in my Facebook message, I was like, really? One thing about me is I never forget who helps yeah. and supports. So mm-hmm. I'll be honest, like the two, other than Flo, obviously the two outlets that I really – you know, appreciate is Jiu-Jitsu Times and like BGJ World TV. Like you guys have always supported us, so if I can help out, I'm more than happy to. We produce just like yourself. Like there are very few things in the world that I love more than BJJ, and the same thing with Kevin. And I think I try to bring that passion out to, to as much as I possibly can, and, and and help build the sport as much as I can in my meager little you know window sphere of influence, whatever I have. So <laughs> no, I, I hear you. Yep. Um. Yeah. So I think it, it's. For a guy that's in charge of as much as you're in charge of, you you took on the position of, of ADCC head organizer back in 2019. Yes. Uh, how is it? Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of chaos in the in the time since. If you guys want me to give you the history of how yeah. I got to that point, how about that? Yeah, no, I was gonna. Yeah. So I've done this. I've said this before in other interviews. Basically, what happened was my brother was living in Abu Dhabi at the time and I went to go visit in the year 2000 and just by coincidence that's when ADCC was happening and I knew about grappling because I actually started watching UFC since the first one I remember I was like 1992 I think I was like 12 years old so I knew what it was because of Hoist Gracie so I went to go visit him in Abu Dhabi he's like hey there's this grappling event it's called ADCC why don't you go check it out so I went there in person and I just fell in love with it I was just like wow this is crazy like Tito Ortiz was there, Mark Kerr, like he's, you know, at Matt Hughes. So I was like, wow. So I fell in love with it. And then uh, 2005 came, ADCC was in Long Beach. I went to that one. And for me, like before 2019, I was like, that was the best ADCC. And that was like my benchmark to top. So after 2005, I moved to Abu Dhabi in 2006. And then that's when I became friends with the whole ADCC team. And I just started working with them starting in 2007 and then uh i just quickly moved up the ranks because you know not to toot my own horn but i'm probably considered the most knowledgeable when it comes to grappling and fighters and everything so i just skyrocketed you know i make a joke because like in 2007 i was a wristband boy it's like my only job was to hand out the wristbands to the fighters but then came 2009 11 13 they're just like you know mo knows what he's talking about so i started handling the invites and the brackets and then 2017 came and I did the West Coast trials. And that was the one I went crazy. I did this massive event. I had Bouchesha, Gordon, Leandro, Cyborg, just all these heavy hitters. And I was like, you know what? You know, it went really well. I was like, I'm just going to go ask to do the world. So in Finland, I went to the ADCC boss, Guy Nevins. I was like, I was like, Guy, I want it. He's like, you want to do the world? He's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, uh, I think I'll do a good job. So. That, that was it. I did the 2017 West Coast Trials, the 2019 West Coast Trials, and then I did the Worlds. And, you know, I'm the, I'm the first person ever to get uh, ADCC twice 
let alone consecutively. So I must be doing something right. <laughs> I I will not tell you you're not, sir. And and very briefly, I just wanted to to you you back to very briefly back to you being a wristband boy. You performed that job admirably in Trenton, New Jersey. If I'm yes, yes. Uh, as a Jersey native. I just want to apologize that you had to go to Trenton. It's not exactly the most glamorous part of the state, but I we got fam- I got family in Trenton, by the way. By the way, <laughs> it's a true story. I think two of the competitors were robbed at gunpoint. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like Trenton. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah no. We have in, in here in Jersey. We have a lot of. Uh, we have a lot of bodybuilders. We had have a lot of lacrosse players, and we have a lot of criminals. Like that's like the trifecta that makes up the state. So and a tomato here and there, and then, and then oh, just a, f- a few loose tomatoes. Few, few tomatoes. <laughs> hey, it's still a great event though. So, so let's let's talk a little bit about the connection to Dubai and grappling because I I have somewhat of a general idea of how that came to be, but I think a lot of people don't realize how big grappling is in in dubai in the united arab emirates yeah. like it's 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 almost like a national sport i'll give Tell you me. i'll give you some insight on yeah. that put it this way so um abu dhabi which is the capital of the united arab emirates they made it man- jiu-jitsu mandatory in all schools and and for the military so they the last time i checked this like a year or two ago they had 500 black belts living there in abu dhabi because they you know so many schools and I used when I used to train there, I go to the I think it's called the IPIC Arena. It was either IPIC or Mubadal Arena, and you would literally see a hundred black belts in the class training. So, and a funny story is uh, in 2014, I flew out JT and Keenan to Abu Dhabi, and uh, they were waiting for them like a pack of wolves. It was funny. They walked in like holy crap. There's like a hundred of them, and. Uh, we just trained there for like two weeks straight. So they got some really tough guys. I trained um, the United Arab Emirates national team when I went yeah. to Atos a couple years ago. I, I think Ricardo Limon is actually the head coach, I think, or something, something along those lines. 100%. And, yeah, they were at uh, they were at Atos a couple years back, and I trained with all those guys when they were getting ready for the Masters Worlds. I think it was the Nogi World, Worlds or something like that. But they was, I mean, they were a thick crew. There was probably 30, 40 of them, all black belts. You know, all yeah. top level guys already already go kill, and I was really impressed with that. But tell me a little bit about like the historical relevance of it, about how jujitsu made its way to uh, to to Abu Dhabi. Well, I mean, first you're gonna have to start with ADCC because ADCC has been around since 1998. Uh, that was founded by um, one of the Abu Dhabi royals, Sheikh Tahnoon. So he was definitely the first one that started that. Wait, right. I mean, 1998 was you know 22 years ago. There wasn't much jujitsu, so Definitely, he was the pioneer of bringing it. Then the next step, I would say, was when the World Pro came about. Okay, so once Abu Dhabi World Pro came about, and then that's when they started making it mandatory in the schools and the military. But definitely, ADCC was the one that led the way. And then World Pro was more of a gi. They, they used to do gi and no gi, but right. it was more more gi gi based. Yeah, I I always think about that when I think about. Uh like the explosion of jujitsu and modern explosions. Again, I always talk, you know, I've been a black belt. I've been training for a while now. And, and like, I can remember a dark day of jujitsu before competitive jujitsu was even a thing. You know, you had the ADCCs and you had like a grappler's crest or maybe a knot yeah. here and there, but the idea of what, you know, true professional grappling is today was, was nothing in ADCC before anything else. And it yeah, was really and, the first one. And to sort out. of to sort of pivot off that a little bit, and this is a story I've talked about before. Um, my brother is currently in the United States Marine Corps. And before he went out to basic training, I had been training for about a year. I was still a white belt, but my coach and I uh, decided to give him a few like private lessons to help him just like with basic super basic like escapes and combative stuff like two yeah. chokes just because we knew that there was a little bit of grappling incorporated into the training yeah uh, for the the mcmap and when he came back we asked him about it and he said you over prepared me we gave him like three lessons tops like three hours each and he's just like that they go over very static drills 
but they don't really go over how you flow and connect things together in like a grappling scenario. So it, it's it, it's good to know that there are countries that are more proactive about we got to go into this like yeah. in depth just for for making more equipped soldiers if nothing else yeah you for know? sure and then just you know just the discipline factor because i you know i you know i've lived in abu dhabi i still go back all the time and i can see in this especially the new generation of emiratis like because you know it takes time to develop in jiu-jitsu everyone knows that i don't care if you're the best coach in the world it just takes time so when i go there and i see these 13 14 year olds these, you know even the 12 year olds the new generation they're pretty good so i think this is going to pay off for them in the next few years like you know really really high level guys so they just yeah, think it's, about it. it's it's funny you say that because that's the one thing that I always bring up when I talk about the new generation of grappler. And I'll even put Gordon Ryan on the, the list of those new generation of grapplers. And you're talking about guys that started training in their teens, you know, eight, nine years old and continued up to start to get their black belts at, you know, 20, 21 years old, or they're still purple yeah. belts and things like that. Like they're learning at a time when learning is part of your dna like you're picking up things and learning something as complicated as jujitsu at the time when you're also starting to learn language you're starting to learn yeah. to write you're starting to learn to read so like that ability to to gain that knowledge is breeding what we now start to see when we see the william tackets we see the roberto menaces we see the gordon ryan's guys that came up yeah, yeah. You exactly. know, luckily for me like with my position, I get to train with these guys all the time. Like yeah. I just had Gordon and some of the DDS guys here last week, just training with them for 10 days. Right. I had, I had a camp in January and you know, these were Tolos, what are they? 16 years old. Yeah. They're killers. Like Crazy. it's every, every time I train with them, even after like a few months, I just see this massive progression in them. So, you know, like Nikki Ryan, the Rotolos, the Tackett brothers. Um, so, it's just crazy how quick they can progress. Yeah, I mean, I, it's any, anyone that can go out on the mat with anyone that can last a, a full match with 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 Wagner Rocha and get through the end of it without having complications. Like you're you're pretty tough, and when you can do it when you're 16 years old, it's I mean, look, look what he did last ADCC. Um, yeah. I'll be honest with the two invites I got the most crap for, not that I care, is right. uh, <laughs> Tolo and uh, the tenth. What's his name? John Blank. And they both placed top right. four. So exactly. you know, Ty comes out, he beats uh, Bruno Frazado in the first round. Bruno's a silver medalist. Then he goes and he beats uh, Pablo Montavani. Then he has a good match with Paulo, you know, almost Darcism, knee bars. So it's just, you know, it's crazy to see his confidence. And I'm really interested to see what Ty does in the next ADCC. Well, since since you brought it up, we'll go ahead and pivot toward the uh, the gorilla in the room that that seems to cause so many complications come ADCC time. Let's talk about invites. So we have a basic criteria that you offer. You know, winning, yes. getting winning the trials, blah 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 blah, and all the other things that incorporate that. Tell me some things that you consider to be intangibles to when when you're really sitting down and deciding because yeah there's a list of things but lots of people kind of fit that criteria yeah. tell me about what you really look at when you're talking well, let me give you the process that the way i look at it so first of all there's 16 let's just take the men's division there's 16 men, uh, men in each division there's eight trials so that takes away eight so there's only eight spots left generally what i like to do is invite the previous uh, four medalists from the next ADCC. So that means I only have four invites. So I have the eight from the trials and the previous four. So it just depends who wants to come in. For example, like I'm not gonna name names, but my the 77 and 99 minus 99 kilogram division for next ADCC is already full. Like there's just so many high level people that wanna go into it. And for example, like Davi Ramos messaged me, he wants to come back. He's an ex champion. So, you know, when an ex champion wants to come back, like I'm gonna, I'm going to right. do whatever it takes to get them in. So it just depends on space. For example, like the heavyweight division next year, I think it's going to be quite a bit of vacancies because I don't think Gushesha will be back unless he does like a super fight. Um, I saw publicly Yuri wants to go back down to minus 99. And, uh, you know, it just it depends on the, the division, to be honest. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what you consider. So like – and I, and I mean it in this way, like before, obviously, before we had this massive explosion of professional jujitsu, you have your pick of the litter of generally, you know, guys that are massively on the scene in jujitsu versus guys that maybe 
might be a little more technically savvy, but don't have the the acumen or the you know the the, the public you, eye. You've hit the nail on the head. So that's right. the hardest part, right? Right. You got to balance, you know, the technique of the competitor and also like you know what he brings to the table. But so it, you, it's it's just really hard. I just do a case by case. You know, who deserves to be there, and then will I throw in someone that's a big name that people want to see? Yeah, you got it's still an entertainment thing, but. I just try to make it as fair as possible. When it comes to invites and the brackets, I can always justify any of them. So, do you do you do you have any problem? I mean, obviously you do, but tell me a little bit of how you. I don't, and I, I don't mean to keep harping on this, but because again, we're in a different world now. Like the yeah. idea of the ADCC before, yeah, you invited the ex champions, and like there was a very small pocket of people that could viably be ADCC competitors but now in the world we're living in like how do you balance the idea of making the event entertaining and catering to the public versus continuing to uphold the integrity of what you believe the adcc entails because in my opinion i still don't think there's another event that is is integrity is it has as much clout as the adc it's the prestige of them, prestige of them all like how, yeah. how do you weigh those two balances i think a big factor with for example, like um, the trials have been delayed. I mean, I'm sure you've read that the North American trials. So I had an option of just proceed to do the worlds and cut some trials and whatever. And I just didn't want to do that. I'd rather delay the event because the thing I think that makes ADCC different than other organizations, anyone that's there deserves to be there, whether they're an ex-champion, an ex-medalist, they won the trials and that's what builds up to the event. So. You know, once these trials start firing off, you know, early next year, hopefully, you know, you're going to see these people coming up. And what makes ADCC interesting is there's always a uh, out, out, uh, a breakout performance. So, for example, 2017, Craig Jones comes out, taps out Leandro. Everyone's like, okay, that's pretty interesting. Then he comes and taps out Marillo. You know what I'm saying? So he had a pretty good breakout performance, you know, and he went and did like 150 uh seminars that it's year the, so. it's a running joke he's literally on every event every time you look at an event oh it's that guy there's craig then, jones again <laughs> and i because i'm good friends with craig and i always make fun of him I'm like i'm not gonna lie to you you were literally my 15th or like you were the last place from like number 15 seed in 2017 because 2015 came you know homo just destroyed him so right. he that's the point you can change a lot in two years and then obviously last year was the Lachlan story. He came out and giant killer, <laughs> giant killer. He got, uh, you know, and I was on that convinced. I'm like, just go out and do it, man. And I'm like, if you do it, you have a higher chance of getting an invite. So he was sold on that. And he, he went and got bronze in the uh, absolute. So let's talk. Let's talk about, we've talked about who gets the invites and we've talked about, you know, what you do to make sure that people get, they're supposed to be there, get there. I just want to say one more thing. About you, sorry, because yeah. I get this a lot, right? ADCC is completely different than any other rule set. Like I'll have people message you like, I'm the no-gi IBGJF world champion. I'm like, that's great. This is different, you know, because yeah. the physicality the physicality of ADCC is much higher than any other show. You can see it in the fights, you know, and the level of competition too. So, and I've seen no-gi world champions go and do the trials and get submitted in the first and second round, you know, just, and then add in the heel hooks, the wrestling. So, for me, that's why we put a heavy emphasis on the trials. If you can do well at the trials, we know you can you can hang at the uh, the world championship. So yeah, the 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 idea of points being at such a high premium in the ADCC is what I believe makes it so amazing. The idea, like when you score the ADCC, man, you, you did, did something. No, you <laughs> like you did something. When you hold somebody down for a takedown, or you sweep somebody, you pass somebody's guard, and you hold them for that hard three count, man. Like you, are you earned those points. One hundred percent right. Because right. this goes back to, I'm gonna get into something else. So it's <laughs> impossible to score an ADCC. It's yeah. so hard to score. You know, because the criteria, one continuous motion. Did you do it in under three seconds? So that's why in the judging criteria, the number one criteria, it's not sub attempts, it's who is the aggressor. And the reason is, if it's that hard to score, we have to incentivize you to push the pace. Otherwise, no one's, everyone's just going to sit there and, you know, you know, hand fight or whatever. So we need to incentivize you to go out there and push the action. And, you know, I think I saw Hanato Kanuto after he's just like, you know, he's like, holy crap, these fights are grueling, you know? So it's a big stage, the level. So everyone just brings it, you know? And I say people are like, what's the difference between ACC and other shows? I'm like the performances you can, everyone fights 110%. They want to win it so bad because if you win an ADCC title, it can change your life. 
Well, even so much of that, man, when you when you talk about prestige again, like, you know, the, you, you, I always say this. You can't say you're a world champion until you win the IBJJF. There's just that granddaddy kind of thing about winning the IBJJF Worlds. But the fighters want to win the ADCC. There's nothing like the guys that are in the know. If you Even if you just win the trials, you're in an elite level of grappler, even more, even higher – than the IBJJF World Championship. I think the IBJJF, you could be strategic. You can learn to play those games and kind of manipulate your game. It's still difficult, but you can learn to win at IBJJF. There's no learning to win at Well, I, I think no. that that's like a great example of, of how prestigious the, the ADCCs are is that oftentimes individual matches happening during the tournament will be so spectacular that they overshadow like – metal finishes like there could be matches individually that are so spectacular in the moment that they're just like oh my god this is the thing we're focusing on i mean just look at the first round last year like we had nikki rod and muhammad ali in the first round like these are like every fight is a super fight i remember on the sunday on the three mats you had nikki rod and cyborg you had gordon and hulk and then you had kainan and bushesha all at the same time it was that's insane any one of those fights is a super fight and you have three super fights going at, at the same time. So it's just really, uh, and I, and I really think that remarkable. often people will go right back to the Eddie Bravo example, but that those are just a handful of examples that That's are just like, one, like I always talk about that, you know, so Eddie Bravo went submitted Hoyler in 2003, who was a champion and he just obviously exploded after that. The funny thing is he went and fought Leo Vera and he lost pretty badly. Like, 20 something zero, but no one cares. You know, right. Craig went, submitted uh, Leandro and Marillo, you know, and then Keenan beat him pretty bad and Gordon did too, but no one cares. So if you can have like one breakout performance, you know, that's great. Like even Lachlan, you know, I'm not trying to diss him or anything. I right. just speak in the facts. He hasn't won once yet in his division, but then he goes and does the absolute and gets bronze, takes out three guys. So no one cares that. He lost in the first round. He looked yeah, so Gary. happy on that podium. <laughs> Gary yeah. Tone in uh, Canudo is another perfect example. I mean, I think if I had to pick the greatest match of of the last ADCC, it's Gary Tone and freaking Canudo. Like I couldn't that, think of another a yeah, more amazing that, match. That was it, we gave that the best match. That was that was easy. I mean, that was amazing. And they even have like a submission. It's just these right. guys just went fifteen minutes, you know, going all out. So you know. At the end of the day, it's the competitors that make it special. You know, we had a lot of cool storylines like Gordon getting double gold with, you know, 75% submission rate. So a lot of cool things happen. And every ADCC, something spectacular happens. I, I would love to very briefly just uh, because we've had, you know, a submission underground matchmaker, uh, Heather Standing, on here. And mm-hmm. she's given us a lot of insight as to what it's like to be the person making these matches happen and these events happen. And when you go back in time looking at boxing and like back in the heyday before social media, all of these decisions would be made set in stone and people wouldn't really have an ability to comment on them and voice their uh, approval or displeasure. But now with social media being what it is, every decision is put under this microscope. So if you could like when you're sitting down and you're you're mapping out this very prestigious event, how much of that pressure gets to you? Like, are you able to just shut it all out? It doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Like when it comes to no, like no one can really influence me. You know, I I feel like I know what I'm doing and I just I have to make things fair for everybody. So. Um, you know, I'll take suggestions from people. No problem. You know, I'm one thing I'm open to is taking suggestions from everybody. I think that's the best way to grow. I'm not one of those people like, no, it's my way or the highway, but no one's going to influence me and make me believe something I don't believe, you know? So, you know, I get into arguments all the time with people and about (laughs) the brackets or the invites and I'm swing. I'm probably batting almost a hundred percent in those, in those debates. So once I explain everything, they're just like, okay, they get it. You know? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, they're not the one with their name on the line here. I mean, I, I will take your input and we, we can discuss what your opinions are. And I'd be more than happy to hear your input on, in your, in your, you know, your and thoughts. To be but... honest, like a lot of people in just are biased too. You know, people are going to look out for their teammates. They're going to look out for their team. I don't, I just, and I think that's a big problem with jujitsu is people look for themselves a lot. And me, I'm just always thinking big picture. You know, everything to me is big picture. I want to push the sport as far 
ahead as possible. Cause like, let's be honest, I'm working on this thing for more than it. I'm going to be working on this for like 15 months. Right. And, um, you know, the last ADCC, I essentially made nothing and I don't care. I don't do it for money. I just do it for the passion. So, um, you know, and I think that's what you see when I put on these events, like for me, like, for example, I got a bigger budget this year. We're going to sell a lot more tickets. The arena is massive, but you're going to see that when you go to the show, like you're going to see it way ramped up compared to 2019. So cool. I, I ha- I got a few more questions, but I, I want to I want to hit you with a good one just because this Uh-oh. is something. I'm, this this maybe it's not. Maybe I'm excited about this. Let's why talk. Have you and I got in a super fight, Mo. What? Let's talk. Let's talk, Seth Daniels. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's talk about first of all, how 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 do you keep him under wraps? And 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 second of all, why did you bring him into the fold and what he brings to the table? Okay, so let me just tell you how I met him. So I obviously I know who he was. I I was watching Fight to Win. I I had sponsored a few fighters on his show, and then I met him in person for the first time at the West Coast Trials in 2019. And you know I know I always heard he's a little bit crazy, but we just hit it off right away. He, he's extremely passionate. He's knowledgeable. He's very good at what he does. And he, he says crazy and does crazy things all the time. But, you know, I get I get the same questions about fighters, too. You know, people are like, oh, Gordon says this, you know, and I'm like, I'm not their dad. That's not I don't care about that. As long as he delivers what, you know, what I need him to do, which he has been doing. That's all I care about. You know, he says crazy stuff, but he's a grown man. You know, I'm not going to ever, you know, go and tell him what to say or do. I'll give you a funny story. I'm not going to name the name, but a high level competitor came to me after last ADCC he was sort of complaining about Gordon and uh, was saying, oh, he uh, did the double bird after he won and stuff like that. And I'm just like, listen, I, I don't care. Like, you know, he, he won and he just got double gold. Let him enjoy his moment. You know, I'm not his dad. I'm never going to tell him, you know, what to do. And I bring up a story of Jeff Monson. I think it was 2003. Jeff Monson got pissed or something. He literally just stripped, stripped butt naked and ripped his uh, thing, like on the mats and yeah. just grabbed his shorts and threw in the, the crowd. I'm like, if we didn't ban him for that, I'm not going to, what am I going to go ban Gordon for doing a double bird? Like it just doesn't make sense, you know? So we just try to let everyone be an individual. You know, if you want to be super respectful, you can do that. If you want to go the Connor approach and talk a lot of trash, it is what it is. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't affect me. That's interesting. You bring up Jeff Munson because I think about that a lot myself. And I'm, you know, I'm a crazy old man, and I'm always talking about trying to build the integrity up and all this other shit like that, just because I'm old and mean. I like to yeah. yell, yell at the clouds and shit. But like the the idea is when you think about the historical presence of BJJ from the early days, and Gordon's even said this in in, in his early days. Like people give him trash. It's like, man, like the art of BJJ pretty much started by jo- storming other yeah, jujitsu yeah. schools and like kicking the door down and picking fights. Jiu-jitsu guys used to go fight the Luta Livre guys on the beach. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. you know, Gracie's in action. Yeah, Hickson, so, like, like Hickson right. found a bunch of Luta Livre guys and there was just right. like a they bad, massive beat, brawl. Beat the crap out of each other on the beach. So like, my thing is this, everyone's different. You know, some guys are like, like Bushesho, who I'm good friends with, super respectful, you know, Marcelo, that's fine. But, you can't tell me, you know, the Gordon approach is wrong, you know, so it works for him. And who am I to tell him to do otherwise? So. You know, and I've never, I've never seen Gordon Ryan in the history of any of his matches do anything that I would perceive to be dirty. And I mean, you know, poking somebody in the eye, smacking somebody in the face, anything that's against the rules that would make him. I mean, like he Cyborg, Cyborg famously slapped right. him around in the last match. I was there. Yeah, he, he hit him quite a bit that match, and he kept us cool. So, right. um, like the thing with you know with Gordon is like he's a professional. Like his, he sent me photos of his hands like five days before the event. I was like, I freaked out. I'm like, oh my god, he's out of the event. Like his hand was triple the size. So he comes in with like a broken hand. He had food poisoning. That's why he didn't show up to the bracket reveal on Friday. He wasn't there. He's like, I'm like, he's like, I got food poisoning. I'm dying right now. So he shows up with a broken hand and food poisoning. And that's for me, that's more professional than, you know, I've had competitors come to the weigh-ins 11 pounds overweight and not compete. So which one's worse? I think the guy coming in unprofessional overweight like that, you know, on a free flight is way worse than someone giving a double bird. Right. What? You you know Gordon pretty well. I, I I know you guys spent a considerable amount of time together, um, and you guys have been 
been been buds for a bit, and you, you not always, famously not always, buds. famously not always buds. I was just gonna say. <laughs> no, actually, the way we started was as enemies. Well, not enemies. I just hey, Keenan, here's thousands yeah, of dollars. Yeah, Please yeah, beat him up. Keenan, I to beat him the first time, and then when he beat Keenan, I was like, damn it, I'm gonna find something. <laughs> so I, and then oddly enough, he was competing at EBI. Then he came over to my house. We hung out, and then um, been friends since then, like almost four and a half, five years, probably. So, tell, but tell us honest, some of the, I'm with a lot of the jiu-jitsu guys like you know people are like oh you're i'm close with everyone homolo galvao bushesha leandro philippe i hang out with all of them so um it's not like i'm a favoritist so how but, do you how do you migrate that difficult territory or difficult terrain between the old school guard of the more you know bushido code grapplers versus the new uh the new the new upstart out chase (laughs) i mean i just let them do what they want to do i for me i don't care i just love jiu-jitsu so i can talk to a guy like bushesha who's really respectful and quiet and jt as well so and then i can hang out with you know you know i've been friends with dylan gordon and aj agazarm so you know so i can be all all sides of the spectrum i can I can be friends. I'm not here to tell people, you know, what to believe or say. So it doesn't matter to me. You know, we have a hobby that we have in common. I just focus on that. All right, well, the, the question I wanted to get to when we started was based upon what you know from Gordon personally and professionally. Tell us about what you think makes him so special. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I truly believe because I've trained with him. I've seen him train with uh, – I truly believe he's the most technical no gi guy of all time. Like, and quite by quite a good margin too. So, yeah. and I think what I I would attribute that to is his work ethic. You know, he's not. You know, I, I've known Gordon for a long time. He's not the most explosive guy. You know, it's not like some freak ash, athlete like Bushesha who can, you know, be two hundred sixty pounds and move like a hundred fifty pounder. But one thing with him is he trains all the time that's all he does his life is jiu-jitsu he trains like seven days a week in the gym uh you know on the mats in the gym working out eating clean so his work ethic i would say is what makes him uh you know something else it's interesting you say that because a lot of people do say that i I say that myself when i when you watch gordon he's not he's not really the like he's not a a a jt torres or this explosive athletic specimen he's not going to go out there and be up in your face i think marcelo garcia is close in terms of technicality as far as like technically no be that's a great example because i think marcelo is both you know what i'm saying yeah, he's got yeah, this he is. unbelievable tech i mean he's marcelo was i feel bad because you know a lot of the new generation they don't know these and it yeah. kills me like when i tell people my favorite grappler is jacques Ray, like oh who's that i'm just like right. oh god i don't even know marcelo like i'm like oh that guy just changed the sport he there was, was this great there was this great meme of uh there was a picture of gordon saying i'm the best of all time and then this picture of marcelo just staring at him and it, the caption was like stares and goat and i'm just <laughs> like, hey yeah. man if, if gordon gordon's if gordon wins uh if if adcc allows him to do the division in the super fight he could be a five-time champion like yeah. 26 years old that's yeah. insane. Yeah, I, I have no no question at all debating Gordon Ryan's greatness. I'd like to see him do the gi just because in my mind. And I, By the this, way, let me tell you something. He's really good in the gi. Of course, yeah. If no. he wanted to dedicate himself to training the gi, he would be the greatest gi grappler of and all it, time too. I'll be honest, the first time I saw him, so I did the first Modolfo camp in 2017. It was a no gi. It was like Gordon was there, Keenan, a bunch of Autos and DDS guys. And that was the first time I saw Gordon in the gi. And he was training with Keenan, and Keenan was just wrecking him, you know? But obviously, he wasn't. Right. Then, like, the next time they trained the gi, it was, like, a year later at my house. You know, it was pretty competitive, you know? Like, he was – the thing that impressed me the most was, like, they did, like, a 30-minute roll, and he didn't get tired. And anyone that knows, like, I just figured he would have fatigued because he's not used to training in the gi. And then at the Modolfo camp uh, in January, um, it's not released, but, you know, he was rolling with Kainan in the gi and everybody, and – he was doing pretty well, to be honest. So I, I honestly believe if he dedicated himself to the gi for like a year or something like that, he would he would do really well. I love the I love the little drama of that uh, that that camp. That's the same one with Lucas Barbosa and uh, where he was with it. He didn't sign the contract and the whole thing. I, I lo- that's just I when I hear that I get so excited because it's just I just well that, that drama is amazing. It's, just, it's, just, it's like a reality TV. Like but a reality like you said TV. earlier, the hardest part is managing these. 
type A personalities. That's the hardest part. But I think luckily for me, a lot of the competitors respect me. So I can sort of mediate, you know what I'm saying? So they just sort of trust me to handle things and generally well, goes pretty well. That's, an inc- that's a very good question that I would love to expound on for a second. How do you, as, as someone who's behind the scenes, like working the event, how do you earn the respect of these like very type A athlete, combat sports athletes? Like what, what does that look like for you? How did you, how'd you find a way to do that? I think it just takes a lot of time and, you know, just, it's not something that comes overnight. You know, I've been around a long time. Uh, I hang out with these competitors, you know, in jujitsu events, outside jujitsu events. And, I think deep down inside they know like I don't have any ulterior motives and just generally I want the best for all of them, you know, whether I can help get them a sponsorship or get them a match. I just try like if you're inside, if I if I'm hanging out with you, I'll do my best to help you out in any way. And that goes for all of them. So I think they see that and they're just like, you know, Mo's a pretty fair guy, you know. Obviously I hang out with Gordon, I hang out with other autos guys and when I'm with them, you know, things just go pretty smooth. So it just took a long time. I think when I did that first event in 2017, the West Coast Trials, that's when I started really just dealing with the fighters. And then, you know, over the next three years, they just started to trust me a little bit. Do you think that you, like being a part of jujitsu as someone who trains, you know, who puts time in on the mat, do you think that helps at all? Like like form a connection and a rapport with these guys? Yeah, I mean, when I – so when I train with people, I, I talk a lot of trash. Like, <laughs> I mean – and, uh, you know, the, the unspoken rule in jiu-jitsu is what happens on the mat stays on the mat. I don't do that. So uh, I w- if I can tap you or if I can pass your guard, I'll literally go on my Instagram story and post it. So uh, <laughs> so, I, I, so that I, I think they laugh about that. Because, like, my thing is this. Like, I'm an old-school jiu-jitsu guy. Like, I started in 2003, I, actually, at Hicks and Gracie's starting the geese. So for me, like, positional dom- – like, I'd rather pass someone's guard than submit them. Like, for me – just passing someone's guard is just like the ultimate. So I'll just sit there. Obviously, I'm not going to beat these guys, but if I can score a point, oh, I'm going to talk. I'm not. I'm never going to stay quiet. So <laughs> that's funny, man. Yeah. That's funny, dude. <laughs> so um, let's talk about my, what what we got coming up this year. So obviously, we had some hiccups. Well, unforeseen. We'll call them hiccups. Like the world yeah. is, you know, in in chaos with 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 COVID. Tell us about some of the things and how that played out. So the problem is this. I'm sort of stuck because I can't do anything until these trials get moving. But I'll be honest with you. I think delaying them was the right call for multiple reasons. Number one, like, I don't think Canadians are even allowed to fly to the U.S. right now. So there's Australia's on complete lockdown. So it just it would suck to have like a lot of people that want to compete that can't compete. The other factor is a lot of schools are not are starting to come back now. So people are like, hey, we can't get the proper training to do the, you know these trials. So just better, let's just delay it a little bit when the time is right, when everyone can compete, everyone's in shape. And I think it's just gonna be, I just really think it's gonna make the event that much bigger. You know, everyone's been on lockdown for like uh, you know, half a year now, everyone's going stir crazy. So once we come out of this, you know, uh, this crap, I think everyone is just gonna feel uh you know, jujitsu as a whole and ADCC. Yeah, you even you even came out and said that even if we have to push back the worlds, it's it is what it is. Just to make sure that yeah. we get the best quality uh, uh, performance out of everybody. Yeah, I mean, it just would kill me to cut or get rid of the trials. Like it just it that leads up to the event. Um, so I just I, if I have to delay the worlds by a month or two or even three months, I'll, I'll do it. I don't care. But let's just do it right. You know, we get one shot at this. You know, we're going to be in Las Vegas. So, you know, the arenas, I was just there last month. It's, it's insane. Like just, yeah. the, just the fact that a jujitsu event is going to be, the fighters are just going to go crazy when they see this thing, when it's done. I'm, so I'm super yeah, excited yeah. about it. I was, I was actually excited when you saw that, when I saw that you were pushing the trials back. Cause once again, I'm going to drag my own bones to it, the trials and give it one more, one more college go to see where I'm at and uh, giving myself that extra month or so to get back in shape again after the high AS. I've been releasing nice. some videos on tips and strategies for ACC. So I just released one on wrestling that was really good. So I saw that. I yeah, saw that. BJJ World, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they yeah they reposted it, but I posted on the official page. Like that one is some that video is probably ninety nine percent of the competitors don't know about, and I, I'm talking about even champions. So oh, yeah. it's just it kills me when I see, and I bring this up in the video. It's like you're gonna go sit there and train for an event that's once every two years. You're gonna sit there, go to the gym three four hours a day, six days a week, kill yourself, 
but you're not going to spend two hours to learn the rules, the, int the int intricacies of the rules. doesn't make sense to me. And then you look at someone like Galvao, Galvao knows the rules inside out, you know, and then I, even in the video, I bring up the Gordon Bouchesha thing, like how he essentially pulled guard by using the three second rule from turtle position. So, you know, if he hadn't used that, maybe Bouchesha would have taken him down and won the match. So that's what I'm trying to say is like, this is the difference between winning the trials and a world title. So, so let's talk a bit about that for a second because we're talking about points. We're talking about the ability to, to 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 learn the point system, and I think a lot of the reason why guys talk about, you know, not myself, but people will talk about how sub only matches are better than points matches because you can now start to game the system in a points match. You can learn how to play the game and do other things like that and strategize according to that. And you know, sub only matches it's all about who gets the submission and things like that. Tell me about how you justify in your mind, the point system in, in that strategic game when guys will, you know, guys will pass the guard, learn how to kind of, how to, you know, maybe a lot of, for example, you've got let a six me, minute fight. counter your sub only because I think there's a problem with sub only too. You'll see guys who just yeah. die for crappy toe holds 20 times in a fight. Does that really mean much no. to me? It doesn't like if you're going for a legit submission, if I have your arm extended or I'm going for a triangle. Yeah. But like, you know, a lot of these sub only, like people are just diving for toe holds and leg locks just nonstop. Personally, I don't like that. Like, and the thing with ADCC is the concept of ADCC goes back to, it wasn't intended to be like a jujitsu event. It was supposed to be a submission grappling, grappling event. event. But what happened over the years, so in the original ADCCs, you even have like a sumo wrestler there. You had Sambo guys, you had wrestlers, but over the years, obviously jujitsu just proved to be superior. But if you look at the rules, it's a balance between favoring the wrestlers you know, you can't pull guard um, when there's points time. So it's just this hybrid rule set, which is really hard to do to make the, you know, the wrestlers happy, the submission guys happy, the, the points guys happy. You know what I'm saying? So like for me, you can't tell me, you know, JT is not known as the biggest submission guy, no gi, but you can't tell me he's not dominant. You know, when he, when he takes you down and controls you, passes your guard, or takes your back. Like for me, that's just as impressive as, you know, getting an arm bar or something on someone, you know, to sit there for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes and just implementing your game and controlling someone like for me, that that's just as impressive, if not more. Yeah. You know, and I, and from, from my understanding, the, the points in ADCC were also designed to best represent what a real life fight would be like. And, and the idea of, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. When we talk about sub bowling. when I see some dude, jumping on some toe hold five times that he's never going to get, but just so he can look like he's going for more submissions to meet the criteria to win. It's just as bad as holding somebody in half guard. But yeah. when we talk about, when we talk about the point system, in ADCC, like the idea of taking someone down, maintaining that control position, not just taking someone down to their butt hits the ground to get scored, but holding someone on the ground and planting them there, passing someone's guard and holding them there and making sure that they can't get back up again. Like, that better most represents what an actual self-defense confrontation is going to be like. And let's look at the points rule in ADCC. So obviously the first half of a, uh, a match, there's no points. So who does that favor? That favors the sub-only guys, the submission guys. So which I like personally because it's like, okay, we're not going to uh, penalize you. We want you to come out, try to sub the guy, come, you know, guns blazing. And then the second half, we're going to add the points, which helps – the positional dominant people and the wrestlers. So you like you cannot pull guard essentially in ADCC when there's points time. So it's sort of a, it's a rule set that sort of helps everybody out, and which is really hard to do. You know, doing these hybrid rule sets is not easy. So I, I think that that's another question I wanted to sort of float your way. We've seen, especially recently, a, a sort of resurgent of the the mixed style matches, specifically with like jujitsu and like gi jujitsu, no gi jujitsu, and wrestling. You know, yeah. we, we've seen a lot of like Bo Nickel, Gordon Ryan, and uh, a few others like that. As a matchmaker, how how do you view those types of of matchups? Do they hold any worth for you? Like, do you do you care oh, yeah, about them? not really for me personally i just feel like it's it's just going to be such a big divide to make a rule set that really encompasses uh that's going to be fair you know like you know if you can't do leg locks against a wrestler what's the point you know what i'm saying so i just personally i don't really like it like if you're going to call some out you got to go compete in the rule set you know what i'm saying so if a wrestler wants to go and train jujitsu and you know they can do well look at rustam you know rustam's you know, he's not the best jiu-jitsu guy in terms of, like, 
you know, submissions and stuff like that. But he adapted his wrestling for jujitsu and has achieved some, you know, pretty good success. So, but I, I like I said, me personally, this hybrid rule set, it's not my uh, my cup of tea. Yeah, I, I don't. I get it. I understand. I, I think it's another quest for these guys to just try to get more eyes on jujitsu, and I can respect it for that accord. But like, I just, I, I, if we're doing jujitsu, we're doing jujitsu. If we're doing wrestling, we're doing wrestling. Like, or if you want yeah. to combine the two, why don't you just have a points match and we'll call it a day? You know, yeah. why do we have to play? Why do you have to play this weird? Yeah, and I, I think ADCC is a pretty fair rule set for both. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you're telling a jujitsu guy he can't pull guard against an international level wrestler. That's that's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you could theoretically be Bo Nichols and do fairly well in the ADCC just based upon your wrestling and your solid base and not I being able to be all time. Like even Mark Kerr, I truly believe you brought a prime Mark Kerr to, to ADCC now in the heavyweight division. He could medal. He could even win. So, right. um, you know, at the lighter weights, it's tough. For example, look at Nicky Ryan. October second, he's fighting uh, Tony Ramos. Tony Ramos is going. Sub only. He's so I respect Tony for taking that match and competing in that rule set that doesn't favor him. So, you know, my hats off to him to go and compete against. You know, Nikki's a killer on the mat. So, but I, 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 I also, I'm sorry, I'm gonna interrupt you. I apologize. No. I can't keep my mouth shut sometimes, Mo. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> the what I, but what I, what I'm starting to see now, and this is something that I've talked about for for quite a bit. When when we first saw the introduction of professional grappling in, into the into the into the world. We started to see those separations. We started seeing guys, well, I'm a sub only guy and sub only is the real deal. And if you do points, you're silly. And then you have points guys say, well, no, 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 no. If you do sub only, you're silly because I do points grappling. And points grappling is the only thing. What I'm starting to see now is the the hybridization of those two thoughts. Yes. Like you're not seeing guys that are just points grapplers. You're not seeing guys that are just submission grapplers. You're seeing guys that are well versed in the point structure that understand how to pass guard and maintain potential dominance, but they're also firing submissions off and going after submissions at the the complete complexity of what jujitsu submission grappling is today. I, I agree one hundred and ten percent of that. Like you're starting to see this like merging of the rule sets so i agree but like i said every you know some people don't like adcc rules you're never going to make everyone happy yeah. like you know i i enjoy watching ebi but like i'm an old school guy like i just personally i don't like someone to start on my back unless they took my back that's just me but at the same time the plus with ebi is there's no discrepancy there's no judges there's no refs you know what i'm saying so if you win that match it's based on your own merit so like i said there's pros and cons for every rule set Okay, I I would be remiss if we didn't at least bring this up, but uh, let's go back to talking about Gordon Ryan again because I feel like there, there's some hot news here, um, and it involves the UFC, Colby Covington, Gordon Ryan, and our current guest, Mr. Jassim. Uh, there was a uh, – Colby Covington is just coming off of a big win against uh, Tyron Woodley. Uh, somehow, yeah. I, I'm a little fuzzy on how he got LeBron James got brought up, and then Gordon Ryan threw his hat in there, and then there was a bet match between Gordon Ryan and Colby Covington that you became involved in. Well, basically, you- yeah, basically, I saw like a press conference or the, or the post conference. Colby had said like he's got the best jiu-jitsu coach in the world. I I've heard of this guy. I know he's really tough. And he's like, I'd put up a hundred grand for him against anyone in the world. So I was just like, okay, like I'll take that bet. I'll put two fifty <laughs> to your hundred. Let me pick my fighter, and we'll see who wins. So hey, is there I any think- Mo? Is there any way I could join this bet and throw mm-hmm. in every uh, cent I have yeah, yeah, yeah. in this world? <laughs> I got a, I got about seven hundred bucks in an account somewhere. I can <laughs> it's give all you. mine. All mine. So, <laughs> so it's just, I mean, obviously, like you know, he's probably like hyped up after a big win, and you know. So, you know, just like, like I said, Colby's just hyping up his coach, you know, he's happy. So um, I think he was just caught up in the moment, but if he really wanted to do that, I would do it. So I'll, t- <laughs> I'll take that. I've, I've done those bets before. Like I argued with some guy on the internet one time saying Khabib would smash any jujitsu guy in the grappling match. I was like, I was like, okay, I'll put up uh three to one odds you know put 100 i'll put 300 000, no problem yeah. so, the, the reality yeah. of it is is like you, you see these grapplers all the time when they started training for adcc and they start going back and forth to mma like it's a different skill set not necessarily yeah. a different skill set but it's a different training mindset if you yeah. took khabib and he and you gave him a year to focus primarily on submission grappling yeah 
possibly he could give some of these guys, you know, the top level guys that run for their money. You know, he's he's going to beat a couple, but you know, the idea is is when you're training for MMA, you're not training for the same nuances of. of I'm not going to name names. Like I know a lot of, you know, I know a lot of these jiu-jitsu guys train and high level MMA guys, and you know, they tell me like when they do strictly pure grappling, it's just it's not even close. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know, and then when you start adding, you know, MMA is different. Different. You see superior wrestlers get taken down all the time because start adding strikes it's just it's just different you know what i'm saying so you know obviously khabib's very dominant he's got probably the best you know ground game in mma but if you're gonna do just like purely jujitsu or like adcc rules i i don't think so and i always bring up what's it called look at gsp he did adcc in 2005 you know he did well but you know then he got flying arm barred very quickly and then ben Askren too ben Askren got heel hooked and 25 seconds in ADCC. So that was actually something he did a, an interview after his retirement, sort of reflecting on his career. And a big thing he did was like, it was big when he was competing that he like gave himself a black belt. He like put himself above like the jujitsu hierarchy. And he was so dominant for so long in one that people just yeah. sort of let him do it. But then he like went on reflecting once he got to the UFC. Uh, he admitted that he wished he spent more time on jujitsu specifically, like the submission game, like that there could have been another echelon of, of talent there for him, you know? So yeah. that's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that's like, it's good to know that it's not something to be ignored. No, hundred percent. I think it would have helped him a lot tremendously, you know? So, but it is what it is. I mean, he was still, you know, very dominant, but I think that would have helped him a lot. But they, like I said, you know, these MMA guys doing a strictly, grappling against these guys i just it's not going to end well so let's let's go on off with it let's let's tell us about the adcc coming up tell us what we can expect tell us about some of the things you got going on in the level competition the venue the whole thing we're, we're all excited to see what's coming yeah so 2019 we did the anaheim convention center so that had like a capacity of like 7500 now we're doing the thomas and mac which is twenty thousand. so like you know they just spent 100 million dollars renovating the arena so like I said, when you, it's really impressive. So, you know, you're going to walk into that arena. I've changed the configuration for this ADCC. So last ADCC, uh, the arena was cut in half and then you had the giant screens. We're not going to do that this time. We're going to have uh, the fans all around the mats. So three quarters of the mats. So they're just going to be surrounded by thousands and thousands of people. So, and in terms of production, we can do some really crazy stuff. You know, there's going to be like pyro, lasers, performers, um, I'm going to have ADCC posters on the the billboards in Las Vegas. So I, I want to make it as professional and as you know high level as possible. Like I really want to leave a mark and I want to show people what's capable. You know, um, if you believe it and you, you know, you put your mind and uh, heart into something, you can really achieve something. You know, people tell me all the time, oh, you can never do this. You can do that. But, you know, I just want to prove them wrong and I want to elevate the sport as you know as high as possible and so i can just leave my mark and just show what's possible for the sport and you know let it to continue to grow well, there you go man i ain't got nothing else to add to that man i i feel like i would be the i'm remiss to be the wet blanket here but you know with social distancing and a lot of guidelines being put out by different states and countries is is that something you've equated for or are you waiting for more guidance from you know governing bodies and whatnot or is that something you're prepared for i'll be honest right now my only focus is i got to get these trials going so once those start to you know start get you know to go then i can focus on that you know if the arena comes to me and says hey uh you can only do 25%. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to delay it. I'm not, I'm not going to rush to do this. You know, I have a vision of what it's going to, you know, what the end product's going to be. And if I can't get it, I'll delay a month, two months, whatever it takes. But I'm, I'm optimistic. You know, I think a year from now, you know, things will start to get better. That's just what I think. I mean, it has to be like, yeah, I, 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 I think by that window, we should be able to figure out a way. To we, put we reached a breaking point some months ago. I feel like, I feel like everyone's just sort of, and especially in the jujitsu community where we sort of got to get our, our, our lives back a little bit. So it's good to know that the ADCC is going to be, is going to be back and better than ever with more pyro and lasers. If, <laughs> if Mo is to be, just believed. Right, it's just, it's good. <laughs> I'm telling you, like I get goosebumps when I went to the arena and like, cause I know what the end vision is going to be, but trust me, like if, if you didn't go to 2019, you really missed out. You know, you can't, like if you watch videos, it's different than, 
you know, being there with 4,000 people, you know, we sold out, we actually sold out, which was great. So 4,000 people screaming, doing the wave. And it was just, you know, it was just intense. So I think after 2019, I think the turnout's going to be massive. I get at least 30, 40 messages a day. Well, can we, can I buy tickets? Can I buy tickets? I'm like, just got to wait. So I think, you know, people after this whole COVID stuff and, uh, what will happen with ACC 2019, the turnout's going to be massive. Well, cool, man. I think, uh, I think we're good with that, man. Kev, you got I, I, I have one. I, I would, it, look, I don't know if we're going to get Mo back again. We might have blown this whole thing. So I would be remiss if I did not ask this question, which I think has been an underlying theme in a lot of the guests we've had. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to ask you to, to spill a 20 minute soliloquy about it, but I, I am genuinely interested in given jujitsu's journey from its inception a hundred years ago to where it is now competitively and in the in the culture of the the world. How big do you think the sport of of grappling, you know, like the the banner term of grappling as as ADCC understands it, and, or jujitsu for for those out there? How big do you think jujitsu can get? Like, where's the ceiling? I think we're not even, cl- I think we're scratching the surface, to be honest. You know, a lot of people can uh, train in jiu-jitsu. I think that's just going to continue to get bigger and bigger. Um, as long as we can put on, you know, entertaining events like this, it'll just continue to grow. Because I'll be honest, like a lot of people that went to 2019 came up to me and they're like, we don't even train jiu-jitsu and we had a great time. So I'll tell you the one thing that hurt, hurts me or hurts ADCC is like, let's just be honest, a lot of jiu-jitsu is just not very good you know it's not very entertaining to watch you know so you know when i go and say jiu-jitsu immediately their head clicks are like oh what about this and for me to separate not just adcc from that it's it's that's that's the hurdle you know what i'm saying so like i said you know jiu-jitsu is just continuing to grow we just scratched the surface but we can make it a lot more professional i want to make sure the fighters get paid as much you know with sponsorships and everything so you know the more money in the sport the better quality uh competitors you're going to get that's just you know that's true for any professional sports so cool man like that's all right freaking, yeah that's the <laughs> that's all i need man i just you know i before you go Mo, i just want to really first of all thank you for coming on the show it's it, i really appreciate you giving your time like this man you're i know we, you're a busy hey, guy. we, we really we, appreciate right. you Don't we really appreciate out. we really appreciate i know you're a busy guy and, and thanks for coming on but but secondly i just want to thank you personally for 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 doing as much that you do for the sport that i love because just like yourself i envision a world where professional jiu-jitsu and and, and jiu-jitsu and jiu-jitsu competitive jiu-jitsu has a spotlight and has a stage that that not just dudes that love jiu-jitsu like but you know the everyday guy can go sit down the civilians can go watch and, and 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 get a kick out of it. and i feel like you are driving that fork or driving that road forward and i really appreciate personally on a personal level everything you do. No, I, I, I appreciate the kind words like i said i just do this you know, not for money or anything. Um, it's actually cost me a lot of money, but <laughs> you know, but uh, I just love jujitsu. I can talk about it every day. I watch matches every day. So, you know, whatever I can do to help, you know, I appreciate it. You know, and thank you guys. Uh, you know, jujitsu times has always been great. You know, I always say it publicly. So they've been always very supportive and I never forget, you know, anyone that helps out, you know, you know, I get people asking me all the time, like, Hey, can I get a media pass? I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm not going to go give you a media pass when you didn't promote the event so you can just get a bunch of photos and sell it. I'm like, like this year I'm going to be so strict on the media passes. Like it's going to be like a handful. That's it. But you know, like these people just, you know, I know who helps out like people that promote the event. Like I said, jujitsu times, uh, BJJ world TV constantly promoting and helping. And I never forget that. So if I can help out and do these podcasts, I'm, you know, I'll come back anytime. You know, I just for for future reference, Mo. When a guy in your position with with like the clout you have says, you know, like I remember my friends, I never forget strong mafioso vibes, <laughs> like strong Godfather vibes. I don't know if that's like I'm not saying that's a bad. thing. I'm meaning it in a positive way. Like if you help me out, I'll, uh, <laughs> right, I'm right, right. Try to break your legs or something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go like... back and rewatch just to make sure I didn't piss you off. But I'm gonna... <laughs> oh, shit, what did I say? <laughs> I'm gonna send some goons to your house. No, I'm just oh kidding. boy. All right. Well, uh, this has been an incredibly informative, star-studded episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Uh, special thanks again to, to Mo. 
Uh, I normally we ask our guests if they have anything to plug, but I don't know if the ADCC needs a plug. So <laughs> maybe if you have a, do you have any socials? You got, you you got any sponsors you want to kick out, Mo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, just you know, uh, no. I just came on. Just jujitsu. That's it. So. Oh, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me. I had a great time, and uh, I'll definitely be back. Oh, that well, we love to hear that, sir. But uh, until then, I have been your host, Kevin Bradley, joined once again by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. To all those jujitsu fans watching from around the world, please stay safe, stay healthy, love your loved ones, and we will see you next time. Good night.